Welcome to the Tim Price Go Harvest podcast, where our mission is to equip and encourage ministry leaders. We're so thrilled to have you listening to our podcast, and our prayer is that it will be helpful to you and your teams. If you have any thoughts or questions, feel free to reach out to us at timpriceblog.com. We'd also be honored if you would subscribe and share with others. Heading now to today's episode. Hello, this is Tim Price, and so thankful you're with us today on the Go Harvest podcast. Our podcast today is an interview that Clint Benish and I did with Matt Friedemann on Zoom. Matt is a professor at Wesley Biblical Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi. He was a speaker at Beulah Camp this summer. got to know him over the course of that week and loved it. And he has written all kinds of stuff. But the focus for today is on a book he wrote called Discipleship in the Home. Some incredible stuff for anybody who has young kids or teenagers in their home this is a must. And for anybody who's a grandparent, the the power of a Christian believer understanding that the church is important, but church isn't going to be able to build faith into kids like parents and grandparents are because we have so many more hours in the home than they ever will at the one or two or maybe three hours that they're at church during the week. He has some great stuff to think about, and we'll jump into the podcast now. All right. It's great to be here today with um, Matt Friedemann, who we met at Beulah Camp this summer, also here with Clint Benish. How's it going, Clint? It's going good. Going good. And um, it's it's an awesome opportunity to be able to share with you, Matt, today on this podcast episode. You uh, um, were a preacher for a Beulah Family Camp down in El Dorado, Illinois, and we uh, loved hearing you and having you down there. It was great to get to know you. And um, I know that you are um, a seminary professor, and you're a pastor, and you do prison ministry, and you've written books, you've done radio shows, you have kind of had the gamut. And we just have a handful of uh, things to talk about today, and really one big topic, and that's on just family discipleship, encouraging people. Our podcast is really geared toward people who serve in ministry, and people who have served with us in ministry in Harvest over the years. So I just thought we'd take a minute to have you introduce yourself and um, tell tell us quickly about um, those roles that you have uh, specifically in seminary and church and all that. So. Yeah, well, thanks. I, I uh, I'm uh, we live right now in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, I'm actually a Kansas native, but we've been down here now for 33 years. Um, married my bride Mary, uh, who's uh, has homeschooled the children. Uh, is a brilliant woman in her own right. One of the things she does is teaches Latin, Greek, and Hebrew to our kids. Uh, so she's got some uh, few advantages. She actually majored in French, but uh, we haven't let that be known much around the house. So not something that she's taught much there. But anyway, she's very good at all the rest of the uh, rest of it as well. So our kids uh, got a great head start educationally uh, just being around her. Uh, so that that's that's that part of it. Uh, we I'm a professor. Uh, we've been doing that for 33 years down at uh, Wesley Biblical Seminary and have been doing that uh, in such a way that uh, my basic thrust at that point is discipleship and evangelism. And then, of course, we planted a church about 21 years ago, 21 years ago this month. I uh, decided if I'm going to be a professor of evangelism, probably need to do some evangelism. And there's nothing more intensely evangelistic than planting a church. So do that. The other intensely evangelistic thing we do is uh, go to the prison. I'm also out at the abortion clinic every week. Uh, and we have kind of done some other things along the way. Uh, uh, 
just personally, our church is huge on this. Uh, one of the things we wanted to always be is an outward bound church. So that means we want to be headed outside the church walls. And what we say is we run to the sound of the pain. So wherever there is hurt, we want to be found. And that's a lot of hurt in Jackson, Mississippi. It's the poorest state in the nation and uh, one of the most dangerous uh, capital cities in the nation. And so recognizing that uh, there's going to be a lot of pain. We can't run to all of it, but we want to make sure we've got yeah, our church about 250 or so has uh, about 12 to uh, about 12 to 15 ministries we run to every week. Um, and that was kind of COVID interrupts that at some, to some degree, but we're hoping that eases up soon so we can get back to all those locations. Yeah. So this kind of just got six kids. Uh, so it's Caleb, Joshua, Elijah, Hannah, uh, Ezekiel, and Isaiah. And we always said we want to get to the New Testament, but we just ran out of whatever it takes to get to the New Testament. So we apologize to all uh, uh, Greek and New Testament scholars everywhere. We we tried to do it and we just didn't get it done. So wow, that that is that's awesome. And um, yeah, one of the, the phrase you used to well, Clint, I don't know if you heard it on here. He said you got to wait for grandkids. That's how you get to the New Testament. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that idea. Uh, by the way, uh, we've written a book called Discipleship in the Home, and I, I got an interview here in a few minutes after we get done with this podcast, uh, interviewing some grandparents. Uh, going to interview two sets of grandparents that I think do an extraordinary job of grandparenting and adding that chapter into the Discipleship in the Home book. One of the things we found with Discipleship in the Home is that we, we go and do these seminars and uh, preach from it. And usually what I notice is there's one to two people per event that I do on that, that they're enthusiastic, they're asking great questions, they're writing notes as fast as they can. And about three-fourths of the way, to, way through, they sort of shut down and start getting teary-eyed. They come up afterwards, after everybody else has gone, and say, thank you for this great material. It's just too late for me. Hmm. And so I thought, well, I wonder, I wonder if grandparenting would be too late. And in other words... It's a, it's, a, it's a different thing by quite a ways, and the whole point of grandparenting is helping the parents. Nonetheless, I wonder if we couldn't set down some things that would make uh, folks that sit through this opposite of a home seminar feel better about, hey, there is some things I can do, and things I can do better as grandparents. So uh, we're just you know, getting done with that chapter right now. So you'll just add it and republish the book or whatever? Yeah, we're republishing it probably... Uh, hopefully for Christmas or just thereafter. I read that book after Beulah Camp, and that is a really powerful book. And anybody who's listening, um, we'll have to put a link to this, Discipleship in the Home. And I guess now you can get the updated version eventually. And um, yeah, and you know, one of those, one of the, one of the, the little grid, the little two by two really spoke to me and, you know, struck me. And I could see where people would think, oh gosh, yeah, I wish I knew this before my kids, you know, were teenagers or before they were out of the house or whatever. Yeah. But um and it might apply to the grandparent thing, but this idea of high righteousness, high love being like, you know, a model of God, like, you know, all love, but also a lot of standards and, and call to holiness and that. And, and then the idea that some people are high love and low righteousness and just the kind of, the, you know, epidemic that is of just yeah. everybody's fine. And, and then here you are. And it might be interesting for grandparents though, because, you know, how do you, how do you do the grandparent high love? but also add in this, this aspect of, Hey, I'm really going to uh, invite you and call you to you know, deeper things or whatever. Right? Yeah. And I, I think, I think grandparenting lends itself to high love, low discipline. 
uh, I don't think good grandparenting should. So in other words, is, is there a way that we can say we can lovingly, kindly, gently, but nonetheless maintain order and discipline while those kids are with us? Uh, and uh, I think you can probably add those two things together. Probably it's okay to lean a little bit more towards the love and affection dynamic with grandparenting. But nonetheless, I think I think it, they're both still relevant with the grandparents. Yeah, and so that was part of our topic today for the conversation in general, not not just the grandparent side, but just the whole the whole concept of this discipleship in the home. I, I guess just from research a little bit, you've done this for several, several years, and it's been part of you know your own family, but also teaching in both seminary and then seminars and classes and all kinds of different stuff on this. And one of the other fascinating things from the book was just that list of um, before they reach 18. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, some of the things you mentioned, like the biggest question you get about, you know, 10 or 20 minutes before dinner, uh, having, you know, hymns, I, I know seasons change in, in homes. Once your kids are, are, you know, grown, it might change a little bit, but you said you talked about singing a hymn and saying a creed and redoing a scripture. And then the biggest question you got from people was how do you keep the food warm? <laughs> like, how, how do you sort of raise this thing up beyond the rat race of life, like to really help families say, gosh, yeah, the, the eternal things are the most like. Yeah, so I was really convinced. I mean, Marvin Wilson's got a great book called Our Father Abraham. And in that volume, he talks about how when uh, the temple went down, the, the Jews obviously running for their lives away from Jerusalem. Then they start asking themselves a question en route to wherever they're going to head. Hey, what do we do for a temple now? And Wilson uh, suggests that they started, the, the rabbis and the priests started getting together and saying, okay, how about this? We will uh, call the home from now on the miniature temple and the dinner table in the home will be our altar. Hmm. So you got to have an altar. You got So we got a temple now. Every home is going to be a miniature temple. And we're going to have an altar within that temple. It's going to be the dinner table. So dinner table, obviously you're going to eat there, but you're also going to, and here we go. You're going to memorize there. You're going to learn the songs of the faith. You're going to memorize the creeds. Uh, that's sort of things we added in. Uh, you're going to read important books. Uh, and we just decided the dinner table is a great place for this. Yeah, you got to take 10 or 15 minutes before you eat. And some people just, I don't know why that's an impossibility, but if you'll make it not an impossibility, it's amazing. So, so uh, there, there's two huge things we did in our family, I think that really helped uh, us raise these kids. And that was the dinner table, what we did. And of course, the, uh, the age 18 list that you've already referred to, those two things are huge. They loomed large in our family. And so we just, uh, we've just have stuck by the principles uh, of those two dynamics and think that if in as much as people can do them, they're doing a smart thing for their kid. Yeah. Well, that's huge. And, and I think that, um, you know, I remember a long time ago, our last name is Price, and I set up a little uh, acronym for Price for my daughters to memorize. And, um, you know, it was just prayerful, relational, integrity-filled, Christ-centered, excellence in all we do. And, you know, I've, I've kind of rolled along for like 10 years thinking, hey, I'm really, I'm really, <laughs> and then I read this list, I'm like, holy mackerel. I mean, like, there's so many things that, that it'd be good for them to know and do and all those things. And um, I just wonder, you, know, you can't give a, a whole book's worth of information in a 20 minute podcast, but what would be some sort of catalyst that you would say that would inspire a family to, um, you know, even, even try a little bit of this? Like, 
what yeah. what's the outcome what, what's the motivation of the outcome of you know how, how does this apply to the family that can't find 15 minutes uh, to motivate them to to work hard to do it i guess well, well, just the accumulation of stuff over a long period of time. Do a little bit every week, and in a year, you've done a lot. Uh, so you just add and add and add, and uh, pretty soon you've got uh, the Sermon on the Mount memorized. You say the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> yeah, but if you if you if you'd add a sentence a day and kept repeating that sentence over and over again, it's amazing how the thing adds up. And so. Our children ended up doing 500 verses that way and and all the major creeds and it just kept going and going and then we were learning songs of faith you know i actually have a contemporary service at our church and uh i i like contemporary music but it bothered me my kids weren't learning the hymns so we bought a hymn book for everybody and said let's start singing the hymns so they know all the new songs but they know all the ancient songs as well I just think that kind of stuff builds up in your kid monumental things. And I'll go ahead and say, uh, Clinton, Tim, if they're not willing to do all of that, and I get that they wouldn't be, could you do five minutes of something? Five minutes of something. Sing a hymn. Uh, talk, about, uh, talk about the hymn. That's all. Just talk about the hymn. What do you think that phrase means? What do you think that phrase means? And then just, uh, just do a, a verse a week. And just that a verse a week, a hymn, and what does this hymn mean? And then uh, go ahead and do the Lord's Prayer and tack on another uh, uh, spontaneous prayer onto that. And guess what you've got? Quite a nice system. Yeah. And all you're doing is four little things. And those four little things take about three minutes. I mean, so let's yeah. just say it takes five minutes. You've done a lot. You just keep that going and keep adding to the verses and stuff. And pretty soon in a year's time, you've got a biblically literate family uh, that are grounded in the hymns, the great hymns of the faith. Not bad. So, yeah, that's awesome. It's uh, so encouraging. What about the idea of a Christian family who is going to church and they're, they love the Lord, but they really see the church as like YMCA for their kids' spiritual lives. And they, you know, also are in band and dance and everything else under the sun. And they don't, I mean, how do you, how would you help a family feel like they are the, the temple? I mean, like, what can the church do, I guess, is like a question toward that. Well, that, I think a lot of that comes from the pulpit. You just need to teach people that the church is an addendum. And it's kind of a small addendum, really. Think about it. We're here one, maybe two hours a week. Let's count up the number of hours there with you all week long. I saw some meme on, on Facebook had this big old, had a ping pong balls of every hour of the week. Uh, and this is your family. And this is how much the church gets. And let's go for the entire year. Here's how many hours they get with you, family. Had ping pong balls. The thing went up to the ceiling. This how many hours they're with the church. And 100, had 100 ping pong balls. You know, that's not very deep, about that deep. So what happens here is, let's just see, by comparison, who could have the most impact if they just did a little. And two hours of church a week, one hour of church a week, ain't much to disciple a child. But you talk about the hundreds of hours that a, that a family can, can spend and does spend across a week, a month, a year. Yeah. And boy, if you could just add some degree of something and redeem some of that time, man, you've got a discipleship program going. If you're counting on the church only, guess what? Your kids probably will not be Christian in 20 years. Huh. Wow. Yeah, I, um, I'm just going to jump in real quick. So one of the things that like, so I've recently uh, started as a, uh, as a student ministry leader. And um, with that, like one of the things I focus on 
almost like equally as like equipping the parents because of exactly what you just said, you know, giving them ways to continue conversations that we have on our youth nights, giving them ways to converse, uh, to continue the conversations that we have in Sunday school, but also like, you know, giving them, you know, excellent books like your book here or podcasts and things like that they're uh, equipped them with, because unfortunately, um, like Tim said, you know, some, sometimes it's, uh, it's drop them off. You're going to, you're going to fill the, the, the faith quota and that's going to be enough to get them through this life. And, uh, and yeah, like you just, that little visual of the ping pong ball. I saw that also. And I was just, I saw that and I was like, yep. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, the capture sometimes, I mean, for when the children were young, you know, not every day are we having Bible study all day long or anything, but they do their schooling. We try to add Jesus into that. And then of course, bedtimes, that great discipleship time, dinner time was a great discipleship time for us. And, and uh, I think if you add some of these dynamics in, it can really be a, a beautiful and good thing. Furthermore, in the back of the Discipleship in the Home book, and you can actually find uh, freestanding copies of this on, uh, on the Amazon.com, is the Hidden in the Heart Catechism. And so what we do is in our church, uh, if you memorize that before the age of 12, we just say, hey, come on up here. Here's a $100 bill. Now, you know, to a 10 year old kid, a hundred dollar bill, he might as well have just said, you're Jeff Bezos, dude. You're now, <laughs> you're, you're now ready to go to Mars or whatever. So anyway, I mean, just saying there's, there's incentives you can do, but that, that catechism thing, you think, man, they'll, they, there's no way they could do 125 questions really one a day and then keep repeating those questions. And they know it in less than half of a year. And that is substantial. Some of them are meatier than others, obviously, but that's substantial stuff. And when they learn that hidden in the heart catechism, what they know is a profound uh, theology and they got some profound biblical literacy going. It's not rocket science. It's very tangible. It's very easy to teach them how to do that. Clinton is just say, hey, repeat after me. And you keep repeating and keep repeating. Pretty soon you're just doing sections at a time. And my children have uh, utilized that across years. And again, the reason for that, Tim, is I asked them, I asked, I asked Caleb one time, who, by the way, is a PhD in New Testament now and publishing like, like crazy, you know, he's, he's a brilliant guy. But I asked him at age eight, I said, Caleb, how many persons are there in the Trinity? He didn't have a clue what I was talking about. I thought, that's not his fault. He's smart. That's my fault because I haven't taught him. Hmm. So then we sat down and stroked out 125 questions and then, by the way, Tim, the other thing is one of those questions is what's it mean to be a freedman? And I can add in my own answer to that. All right. So you have four questions like that at the end that would fortify your family. But that's a kind of practical tool we're going to have to give people something so easy. They, there's practically no way they can miss with it, uh, because if you just say, hey, read this book and God bless you they're not going to, they're not going to get their teeth around that. I don't think. And you, the, we have, uh, we have blown our minds here in a short amount of time. We got, <laughs> we got enough stuff to, to think about. And, um, and we also want to hold to our time commitment here. We appreciate you so much, Matt, joining us. So we're going to put a bookmark on that, but it's uh, kind of a, a little follow-up thing. And that is how do you wear all these hats and keep that kind of going as your kids were younger? And I'm always intrigued by that because most often when you hear preachers at camps or people that are out and about or doing things, um, it seems like they, you know, most people in that world wind up being, you know, a pastor or a professor or, you know, I know you used to do a radio show, just a whole bunch of different things. So, you know, this, this can be different answers. You can take it different ways, but how do you manage wearing so many hats 
in in ministry leadership like that. Uh, I got the most disappointing answer, but it's so true. Okay, so you're not going to like this. It's the sort of thing that I don't want to be quoted on it. Please don't write this up anywhere. But nonetheless, so true. So I, I'm I'm a pastor and I'm a professor, uh, and of course all the things that go along with that. Uh, for a while, uh, well, for a long while, about 17 years, I had a radio show, the Matt Friedman Show, went from local to all the way to national, and then I had a twice a week newspaper column in the Clarion Ledger, which is our statewide daily here. So I was, I was a big, you know, political opinion guy. And then I got six kids, which means I go coach soccer and do all the things associated with that. So the, there's two keys here on how to handle this time-wise. Number one, look at your wife to see all that she's doing and then go look in the mirror and say the word slacker over and over again. All right, that's, that's the key. Just look at what she's doing compared to what you're doing. And you'll say, whoa, I just... Uh, I got I got the easy part around here. I got the easy life. That that's the first thing. Second thing is, then this is the disappointing part. Embrace mediocrity. Now, by saying that, I say this. You know, we want to be excellent in all things. I get that, but there's some things you can't do if you're going to do the four things I just talked about, and they're more like five or six things. You just can't. So you got to say, then what can I do? God's called me to do a radio show. How can I do that with the time available to me without worrying that I'm not Rush Limbaugh? Or how can I write a newspaper column in such a way? God's called me to do it. God wants me to do it. How can I do it and not have the fame of a George Will or a Cal Thomas? If he called me to pastor, how can I do that in such a way where I don't absolutely wreck my life and I get that I'm not Bill Hybels. I get that I'm not, you know, whoever, but I am who I am. And this is what Jesus called. So to some degree, I, you embrace being less than the extreme best, because I don't think he's called me to do one of these things. I do think he's called me to do all four of these things. And of course, the family is most important of all. How can I do all that and still? And so a lot of people say, well, just learn how to say no. Yeah, but what if he wants you to do some things? Um, you know, so, so I think learning to say no is a great thing. By the way, I did say no to the other 50 things people were asking me to do, but I decided to do these four to six things. And so we just tried to keep the balls in the air and do as best we can. And I get that I was disappointing sometimes, but I also think I was, I was trying best as I understood to do the Lord's will. Wow. That is really awesome. Well, we appreciate your time today and appreciate, uh, your work all week having meals with you and hanging out at Beulah was awesome we hope to do it again sometime and um i'd love to have you back on again eventually but this was great stuff that we can't wait to share with other people so great hey thanks always a pleasure to be with you guys thank you yeah and i want to just um check you mentioned amazon is there any clear-cut way to get connected with all the stuff that you do as far as discipleship home stuff or is it more like um just research various little things yeah, so Thompson Home got got a brand new book coming out in uh, Christmas ish, maybe the month after that. But I like to get it out for Christmas. But you know, hey, it might take a miracle to make it happen. So that's coming out. Uh, that will be on Amazon.com. It'll be easy to find. And then the the Hidden in the Heart Catechism, I recommend for everybody. That is also on Amazon.com. And uh, then uh, honestly, all the rest of it, uh, it's mediocre. So don't look for it. <laughs> <laughs> i got i got a lot of books you can just type in freedom uh freedom with two e's and uh you'll find a whole bunch of stuff that i've done but uh 
honestly, uh, probably the, the discipleship and home stuff is uh, the thing that has captured most imagination. So, well, it, it is a great book. We're definitely going to recommend it, but um, it's awesome to uh, be connected today and blessings on you. Hey, God bless you guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, Clint, being here and appreciate Matt giving us some time to interview a little bit and talk some. We do definitely recommend the discipleship in the home and the standalone catechism that Matt was talking about called Hidden in the Heart. There are links to both of these in the show notes and on the blog post at Tim Price blog. Ever since that day that we interviewed Matt, I have taken that catechism and have talked about it at every meal that we could and we have been memorizing and it's awesome to think that the dinner table can become an altar how does a family learn all this stuff just like matt was talking about a little bit here and there will stack up and it will continue to snowball until you get to a year or two years down the road and you have a lot of stuff that you've learned and memorized and taken in about the Christian faith. It's the job of every Christian parent to help build into their kids faith in Jesus, to give them an opportunity to know God's word and to have it hidden in their heart so that as they are growing and maturing, they have a clear grasp and understanding of who Jesus is. We appreciate the time here and appreciate you being with us and would love to have you pick up a copy of either one of these books And we'll see you next time. Thanks again, Matt, for joining us today. Thanks for listening today. We hope this has been encouraging and helpful to you. Stay in touch with us at timpriceblog.com. Until next time, keep following in the footsteps of Jesus and lifting up the name of the Lord. Thanks for your work and ministry.